Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 110 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I'm okay. Yeah? Mimosas? I'm okay. Gourmet cookies? Yeah. I, I have to say, Mariah Carey's cookies are good. <laughs> I, they were unexpected, but they are good. Un, definitely an unexpected thing. I mean, should we expect less from Mariah Carey? I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. But she does own Buca de Beppo, apparently, and that's where I got my cookies from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so for all of you who don't know, uh, apparently, uh, well, in our case, uh, I was looking, I was randomly looking at deliveries uh, as options. I was like, ah, what do I want to do for dinner tonight because I really don't feel like cooking. And then I came across a free delivery on uh, uh, DoorDash. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll take a free deliver if they're going to give it to me. Sure. And it was Mariah Carey's cookies. And I was like, hmm. I did not expect to see those two things together in the same sentence. No. But here we no, are. But here we are. And they were not bad. Yeah. They were, they were pretty tasty cookies. We, so. we had a flight of cookies and they were pretty good. Yeah. Highly recommend. <clears throat> highly recommend. So um, we have a conversational point today uh, for this uh this show that got deep because we had an idea of what this the the game and the system was about and just like our usual we start digging into it and then still dug into it more and then still dug into it more and i kind of got excited about it yeah yeah like uh okay so the system spotlight today is uh with regards to monty cook's numenara yes uh using the cipher system and yes. uh it was a game that's it's been around since what 2013. Yes. Um, yes. And it's always been one of those games that's been intriguing to me, mm-hmm. and I've always kind of wanted to like look into it. Mm-hmm. But and I'd heard some things about it, but never really you know crossed cross paths with it too much. Right. Um. Now there was also uh, which is the the around the same time. So in 2013, uh, the Numenera Core Book and the Player's Guide got released. Mm-hmm. At the same time, a Kickstarter kicked off for a digital game, which was a follow-up to Planescape's Torment, which was very successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Different. You, you, everybody considered it a different game, but those who fell in love with it, truly hard fell in love with it, that was going to use uh, the Numenera setting, uh, which, again, had just come out, but people were very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. It took until 2017 to that game actually be released, finally. Uh, and it releases Torment, Tides, and Numenera. And, and I'm going to flat out say, if you go to play that game, expect it to be different. Yeah, yeah. It is not your typical story that you would get out of, like, a, a traditional uh, RPG. Right, right. Um, I was watching a little bit of gameplay of it. Um, There's a, a, a Let's Player that I like to watch that was, that was going through it. And uh, it, was, um, it was... It was a lot of, like text reading mm-hmm. at least at the very beginning it was yeah and it was it was very visually stunning i will say yes. that much yeah. i i saw quite a few things i remember when it came out mm-hmm. like i had to go back and look at the and, and then that's when i realized that like my first uh, understanding of the game came from the planescape torment mm-hmm. follow-up because there were people that i knew who were playing it and i was like huh I wonder what this is and then that was it that was all i had right, right, um right. but what's funny is in 2017 Right after the game was released that fall, they kickstarted Numenera 2, mm-hmm. which uh, is where we get the Discovery and Destiny core books uh, that came out. 
uh, and the the player's guide. So that's the kind that's the common stuff that's on mm-hmm. uh, that you'll find right now. There was a few. Uh, there was the Priests of Aeons that came after that. There was the Ninth, Ninth World Guidebook. Uh, some other compendiums that came out. They actually have five adventure books, and uh, AEG has a deck game related oh, okay. to this. Okay. So uh, when they released the Kickstarter, you could actually get. Uh, cards that had ciphers on them and items on them, so it was it was kind of a card game in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I am definitely not going to be deci- dissecting everything that happened to that Kickstarter. There's a lot. Oh, uh, there was a lot that happened in that Kickstarter. One of, one of those um, Kickstarters, both the first huh? one and the second one. Okay. Um, but I think it also had to do with the time of when Kickstarters were kicking off, the ch- struggles that early Kickstarters had. Uh, which is trying to figure out fulfillment and and how things function. Oh yeah, a lot like uh, like some of the BattleTech stuff ran into oh, where it was like, you know, how, how do you handle add-ons and all right. that jazz? Yeah, I mean there was a lot. I mean people just d- didn't expect things to be as successful and then didn't quite follow through on all the thoughts before they hit the end of it. Yeah, I mean yeah. there's a reason why people who on their third Kickstart, you know, if their first one was successful and they did okay, that by the third they're freaking masters of it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's you you learn a lot with Kickstarting. Yeah, and yeah. Kickstarter has learned a lot and that's why Baccarat is such a good product now to tack onto that but we're going to step away from all of that and get back to this odd meat and potatoes game this yeah this game okay i mean get, get ready to get weird folks because oh yeah there, there is a lot going there's on a here. lot to unpack and um, there's a lot of weirdness so i'm gonna start you guys off with a quote um you, you've probably heard it before if you have uh, existed for any small amount of time in the geeks in, in uh, the, the the geek sphere uh, and there's a quote from Arthur C. Clarke that says, Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. Okay. And that basically means that if you waved a cell phone in front of a medieval peasant, they would think it's magic. And right. to them, you can explain the inner workings of a cell phone all you want, but honestly, it might as well just be magic. Yeah. Like, it's it's so far beyond their their understanding that... Right. There's no difference at that and, point. And I'm going to start with this as a premise, and I'll come back to this a couple times, because, again, um, the the game setting drives you into this. And that is, for those, in, in today's fitting, mm-hmm. for those of you who love Marvel and are aware that, uh, as we're recording this, Loki's show is out on Disney, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are willing to accept the disbelief that of how you know loki's powers manifest it's it's aware that it's some kind of magic you know their magic is some kind of technology yeah yet he can have doubles of himself that are just like him have all of his mannerisms and yet are not him Mm -hmm. or he can be invisible or he can do all these other things and and move differently at a different speed than everyone and he is a master of this magic this manipulation craft like his mother Mm mm-hmm you know, it it's technology, but nobody questions how it functions, really. Yeah. If you are willing to accept that, then you are prepared for Numenera. Yeah, pretty much all the Asgardians run on exactly this principle. So, um, so Numenera is set, are you ready, one billion years in the future on Earth. Yes. Okay. Now, over that time, um, civilizations have risen and fallen. Uh, even the current inhabitants live uh, at a about a medieval level of technology. So, kind of at its core, we're still dealing with almost a D&D style game. Yeah. Okay, You've, you're going to have lords and peasants, you have your, your adventurers, sometimes a, um, uh, a, a middle merchant class, 
Sometimes these lords will own slaves. They work the fields. They have little holds mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Kingdoms oh. exist. Kingdoms exist, etc. Okay, yeah. so think of your typical D and D style of 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 plot. Mm-hmm. But, but. <laughs> and this is where things start getting weird. Um, in these last billion years, uh, they call this they call this the ninth world because eight other great societies have basically risen, and or or possibly arrived. Because mm-hmm. uh, we know that at least some of them were not human. Yeah. Um, and then those the over over many many you know possibly millions of years those those uh, societies rose and they either fell. Or they left. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that some of them had interdimensional travel. Mm-hmm. We know that some of them had space travel. Some of them could literally manipulate reality. Yeah. Like like it was tinker toys <clears throat> to them. And so um, what you have is us living in the ninth world, which is basically a society that is currently on its rise. Mm-hmm. It's very early in its rise, hence the medieval bent of everything. Yeah. Um, but you you're existing in a world... That has a lot of history behind it and a lot of great history behind it Um, from the standpoint of there are advanced tools, valuable means of communication and learning, transportation, defenses, weapons, um, but also like dangerous things, genetically altered monstrosities, flesh warping radiation, creatures transplanted from distant stars, Clouds of out-of-control nanobots they call the Iron Wind yeah, uh, that mutate everything around them. Not only that, but actual oddly behaving clouds themselves, like rain that yeah. falls at a specific <clears throat> timed event every day without question. Yeah. Clouds will just form there and rain will fall. For precisely 32 minutes. Correct. And, and then they will go away. And then they will disperse. Uh, did, you, did, you, did you mention the mountains? I didn't mention the mountains. So, mountains that are abnormally huge and flawlessly in a perfect round around a a center point that is, you know, vast distance away from it across a great plain. And yet there is a huge, perfectly hewn channel cut into them to go to the center. Yeah. Just... You know, terraformed that way. It's it's just there, and 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 all these all these relics, all these these lasting impressions of the past eight civilizations, are just here, and they're just facts of life for everybody in the ninth world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, a lot of these 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 kind of newer primitive folk um, view it all very magically, because, like we said, and any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic you know is it is it a god of agriculture that has blessed your lands or is it just a an an artificial intelligence that is running on some ancient computer system that's manipulating the the nanites to keep your 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 crops fertile and watered right do do we know do we care does it matter that's the thing does it matter does it matter yeah you know um and so uh, that's basically the ninth world. Now, the name Numenara comes from essentially it's it's a reference to all these little bits of technology that are left over the past civilization. It's the term they use, actually. Yeah, it's the the it's term the they in, use yes. in canon term. It's they are not in Numenera. Numenera is the thing, and that's one of the things you have to remember about this game is that that is truly the center of mm-hmm. this world. Is this 
technology, this otherworldly thing, these these powers, the Numenera, and everything focuses around that. Mm-hmm. So, like by today's standards, I would say a, a game built on on our everyday would probably be called cell phone. Yeah, yeah because okay. everything centers around it. So think about it kind of in that framing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when I was when I when I was reading through it too, and especially like like looking through the uh, the world section. Yes. Um, and seeing that there are like, okay, you know, so there's these vast plains here and there's this little villages and these kingdoms that kind of crop up here. And right in the middle of them, there is floating 500 feet off the ground, this gigantic 2000 foot tall obelisk that just sucks water up into it. Mm-hmm. That's it. We don't know what it does. We don't know where the water's going. A lot of people assume that it's maybe doing something atmospheric with it, like making rain out of it, but we don't know. Yeah. I mean, we presume since it hasn't drank the world dry over the million years that it's been here, so that it, that it's not putting it anywhere that isn't back into the earth. But and, and that's how a lot of a lot of the world building details are. They're like, yeah. here's this weird, completely unexplainable thing. It exists. The book doesn't tell you what it is. The mm-hmm. book doesn't tell you what it's doing. It might tell you what a couple of ideas the locals have about it, mm-hmm. but that's about it. Yeah. And it leaves all that mystery up to you as the storyteller and as the players to discover that stuff on its own because it's not important yeah the 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 what is the thing the why it's there not important it it reminded me a lot of i remember hearing a story um in in watching some youtube videos uh there is a Minecraft server. It's a public Minecraft server that's been yeah. around since the very, very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we're 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 several years, possibly as much as a decade, into into Minecraft's life. So you can imagine yeah. on a public server how many people have logged onto it and how many people have changed that world, built their own things, terraformed mm-hmm. their own, altered things. other people's things. Yeah, altered other people's things, and even you know, going out, you know, tens of thousands of of blocks from the center of the world you still find oddities that are mm-hmm. strewn about out there. So you'll be wandering through a forest seemingly untouched, and then you'll just come across this, like, hole in the ground that goes down to bedrock that's, like, five chunks by five chunks with a spire of diamond blocks in the middle of it and one bed perched up on top of it. Yeah. And you're left scratching your head going, what happened here? Huh. Who would build this? For what purpose do you build this big of a hole What's with the spire of diamond, and why put your bed up? Like, yeah, I have more questions than answers here. Or you, know? or you go to this beautifully built house that's you know got a garden, it's got you know all kinds of things to it. Not not a lot of crafting, but a lot of beauty to it. And then you find a door in it that goes down into a fully built out dungeon with cobwebs, spider traps, you know, you know, pressure plates, secret doors, and it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. You know, and you you don't know where the dungeon ends. Right? Who who built it? For for what purpose? Yep. Uh, d- does it end? I mean, where did yeah. it come from? Where did it go? Yeah. I mean, it kind of brings you back to the whole concept of like the original Dungeons and Dragons of dungeons being made. Like, who made this dungeon? Yeah. Really, you're going to answer that question? No, probably not. Only yeah, and and only the 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 people who did this are completely lost to history. We have no clue. Yep. But we're just standing on their shoulders, you know, yep. in this new world, in this in this completely new world. So that's kind of the setting yep. full of just like one of the videos I was watching on uh, the, the, the plot, and the setting. Um, 
started with the question, is Star Wars too realistic for you? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, it's that kind of game. Okay. Um, So, yeah, just basically everything you've ever dreamed of. And I I literally mean dreamed of, you know, of, of, of vast landscapes of floating crystals, you know, and stuff like that, of, of strange twisted monstrosities from other dimensions that stalk among them, etc. Like, anything you can literally conceive of could possibly exist in Numenera. Yeah. And have a very feasible explanation for why it's there, or, better yet, no explanation whatsoever. Uh, so, that's the setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we could go on about it, but it's... I think we need to step away from it to understand the cipher system that it's attached to and yeah. why why this kind of vast... And I, and I won't say that it's blank spaces. There's literally a hundred pages in the book. I think it's almost... It's nearly a hundred pages of the book that is densely packed with world setting. Mm-hmm. So don't feel like... You know, you're just kind of given this blah, and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to have to fill in all this up. No, there's maps, there's detailed sections, oh, yeah. everything's in there. So d- definitely do not feel like this is this is not a complex setting. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's an extremely detailed setting in that it gives you all these maps and descriptions of kingdoms and PCs and locations and landmarks and stuff like that. But then it's like, why is this landmark here? It's just there. Yeah. And it's just not detailed after that. And there isn't anything to fill in those gaps later. Yeah, there there's, isn't. That's there's as good just as you're going to get. pontification. So, um, but this all sits on top of the cipher system. Now, we're going to start this off by saying this is a rules-light system, or at least it is described as a rules-light system that is narrative-heavy. I kind of think that's a lie. <laughs> But, yeah. but not a complete lie. Not a complete lie. I mean, it is. We're going to use the term "crunchy" in here a lot. <laughs> I don't. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think, in comparison to things, we're definitely going to use the word "crunchy." I think. I think it's. It's a lot like Savage Worlds in that I would describe it not as a rules light system, but a mechanics light system. Because the point of the game wants to get you back to the narrative. There's only really one mechanic. There's a lot of rules for how to interact with that one mechanic. Is the problem? Well, and not problem. Just just the the, yeah. the complication. It's There's... not it's not a bad thing. It's just no. a thing. All right. So let's get let's dive into this a little bit. All right. So the cipher system. I focused more on the gameplay because I wanted to know um, how it functioned. Because that's always a thing for me when I look at a game system. I want to know how I, as a game master, I'm going to interact with it. Mm-hmm. And I found out one very key thing about this when I was doing my discovery, and that was the GM really doesn't interact with the gameplay. Yeah, he really doesn't. The the funniest part about this whole thing is that the GM assigns a difficulty and then pretty much walks away. Yep. That that's that's where you end in your challenges. The storyteller never touches dice. Correct. Period. Now they can touch dice if they want to roll on a random table to have something randomly show up or, or give a random cipher or give something like that. Mm-hmm. There are tables for that, but realistically you could just bloop it off a chart if you wanted to. Yeah. Um so it, so when the way that a traditional role works is that the GM assigns a difficulty that is a scale 1 through 10. Now, I will flat out say that the rules do state that the GM does not have to disclose the difficulty until the end. Mm-hmm. They can hide that. They can just say, I've assigned a difficulty. And then the player then... Ha- and they also choose how the approach 
must be. So, for instance, if uh, let's say you're trying to open a door, mm-hmm. right, and you're gonna you know sh- put your shoulder into it, right? So you say you know there's a doorway blocking you. Okay, uh, I'm going to try and take it down. Okie dokie. So this is going to be one of your abilities, which is might. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. What's going to happen then is they're going to set a, a, a difficulty, and they may list that difficulty off, and then it's up to the players to say how they are then going to use their abilities to defeat or bring down that difficulty number. So they might start by saying, you know, hey, um, I am a, a brute of a character, so I have, uh, I have some athletic skills uh, that put me to that. In fact, um, I was a uh, uh, a heavyweight boxer mm-hmm. uh, in a in a in a arena. So I, I'm actually specialized in in punching things. Okay, all right. Well, that that'll definitely give you some some stuff on that. So each one of these things reduce the difficulty, so they can tell you how much it's reduced by. Mm-hmm. They then make a d20 roll. And the way that the target number is determined is it is three times the difficulty. Right. So you'll That is left over. That is left over. We said that this is on a scale of 1 to 10. Correct. Meaning that if you multiply that by 3, you can have potentially a difficulty of 30. Correct. Which, of course, is impossible. Anything 7 or higher is impossible. But if the GM starts off by saying the door is a steel door, so it's going to be kind of challenging to get through that door. Mm -hmm. And the lock is pretty decent, so it's probably going to hold it pretty well. So I'm going to start off by saying that the door, you know, even though it's aged, probably is going to have a difficulty of a four. Mm -hmm. So right now... In theory, we times that by three, and we get our what what the rating would be. Now, keep in mind, we're not going to do the times three yet, because the players have the chance to reduce that. Right. So the player takes that base number, that uh, that base four, and says, okay, well, I'm strong, so I'm going to reduce that by one, so it goes down to a three. Down to a three, yeah. You know, I'm specialized, so that takes it down by another, because mm-hmm. uh, you can only specialize, drop it by, so that takes it down to a two. So then it's a matter of, do you want to throw some other things at it? For instance, you might be able to uh, throw effort to it, which is another thing you can do by using your pools, which could reduce it by more. Uh, And they could actually reduce it down to zero. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, here's the thing is, is that players can reduce it down to zero, at which point there is no roll. They just do the thing that they want to do. You don't have to roll. Correct. But you may want to. Because things can happen on a roll. On a 17 or up, you start getting added effects. Correct. Um, if, if you 17 played, to 20. Uh, if you played uh, Savage Worlds or 7C or something like that, it would be the equivalent of maybe like getting a raise right. on your uh, on your, on your your check. Um, right. So, and and some, some things are just binary. Some things are just pass or fail. Correct. And so there's no real call for getting a, you know, oh, yeah, nat 20 to it. Like, congratulations, the door's now open. Like, okay. Right. But you still, as a, as a storyteller, you know, at that point, the player might say, you know, uh, I I break down the door and slide in on top of it. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're trying you know? to do other things, but, right. like, if you're just trying to open a door, right? you know, that's one thing. But, like, if you're trying to bash down the door and get to the guy on the other side of it, yeah, absolutely. You know, right. there's, there's, there's really good reason for that. Then. So that kind of alludes to the fact that you have these pools, and really your stats are based on three things. Your pool for intellect, speed, and... And might. You know what this reminds me a lot of? What's that? Warrior, rogue, and mage. Very much so. Because uh, not only are those your three pools, might, speed, and intellect, 
But those are also basically the quote-unquote three character classes. Mm-hmm. Your glaive, which is your warriors. Correct. Your nana, uh, uh, or uh, nano, which is your uh, uh, mage. Yes. And your jack, which is your cl- short for jack of all trades. Correct. Uh, which is the rogue. Right. And it's 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 very much leaning in that direction, but it's also your health pool, technically. Mm-hmm. Because things come off your might. Yep. And you start reducing that number when you take injuries. It's a lot like Traveler in that, in mm-hmm. that you don't have hit points, you just take direct stat damage. Correct. And when your stats go to zero, you start taking injuries. Mm-hmm. And eventually those injuries can become incapacitation and, and eventually death. death. Yep. And recovery of those is also an interesting system that they change up, which I kind of like in a way. You have these. I almost wish D and D had that system. Four, I, I would almost yeah. steal it. You have four different rest points. You have your first rest, which is a short rest. The first rest you take will only take you know six to ten seconds. Yeah, it's or, a turn. A, it's a action. breather. It's a breather, and you immediately recover one d six plus your tier in uh, points back to your pools. Your tier is kind of like your level, but not really. Yeah. So you then have your second rest which is a 10-minute rest. Mm-hmm. It is a longer rest. And you can't just take another 6-second to 10-second rest. It is a formal rest. Again, you get the same thing back, 1d6 plus your tier. That happens at all of these. Your third rest is an hour-long rest, taking even longer. And then finally, your fourth rest is a 10-hour rest required. Yes. So, and it, they stack in that order so that you basically close out the day. So the idea is that you can take a short rest, and then a longer rest, and then a really long rest, mm-hmm. and then finally a thing. And as a group, it is not forced. Meaning if someone's like, hey, we need to take our hour rest, but two players haven't even taken their six second, they're not taking a rest. Mm-hmm. They can still take their rest times when they take them. Yep. They're considered doing other things. Yep. Um, but the idea is, is that you can recover your pools or recover from a injury that is affecting your your damage track, which is that kind of impairment. Second wind, yeah, yeah and, yeah, and recover yourself back that way, um, which is I think really neat. I like that concept over your traditional kind of hit points, you know, rests and and short rests. Is that you can force yourself to to you can force your party into this rhythm of how rests go. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, I I think um, uh, Numenar isn't isn't really like a it's 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 not a terribly combat focused game either. Not in the it's, least, it's a hugely narrative focused game. So like, I don't I don't really think like it's 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 not going to run into the same problems that Dungeons and Dragons does. Of like, okay, we fireball the room and then we take a short rest. Yeah, you know, to get all of our stuff back, and then we we walk down this hall and we unlock this door. We have this little fight, and now we take a short rest. You know, I, I feel that it falls more under the category of like adventure in the way that you tell the story, meaning that the players are either on the run or constantly moving, so they don't get a chance to rest, and so you're you're they're being drained, and you kind of move scene to scene to scene versus moment to moment like some D&D games go where that rest and tactical movement changes things. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So you might you you and in I would say in Numenera, you definitely run the the feeling of I, you know, your group starts out in one scene and then moves to the next scene and that next scene might be hours later. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you had to cut your way through the jungle and it, this is the time when the challenge comes up. And then the next thing you do is several hours after that. But each one of those times, you may not get a rest. You may force yourself a rest. You may move into the next day, but you haven't slept yet. So you haven't had your time to rest. Yeah, yeah. And so 
until you do that, your pools are being drained. Your energy, your abilities are coming down. Mm -hmm. And it shows that taxes in the game. And I, I kind of like that taxation that happens. I think it's it's much more natural to a, a narrative or thematic story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because because so. your 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 efforts going to reduce your pools as well. Not not just not just hit point dam or you know d d direct damage, but also like your effort comes out of the same pool. You know? Exactly. You can't you can't just keep pushing your, your yeah. push and your drive and, and your sprint and right. your you know. Eventually, you're gonna slow down. Yeah, you're gonna run out and. Uh, that that's when it's going to catch up with and you. And that's what I think I like too. Is like, man, you've you've been doing you know, quote unquote, heavy lifting all day, and you've used maybe five of your ten might pool, mm -hmm. and then you get hit. Your might pool is at five instead of its full ten. It's already you know going you know cutting into you because you're you're tired. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It it shows that wear and tear that that's that's going to be on your yeah. body, and it, that's a really cool way of representing that. Yeah, it's the it's the scenes with uh, yeah f fatigue mechanics. Yeah, um, uh, it brings me back to the 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 orc scene in uh, uh the orc fight where you see um uh Lord of the Rings in Lord of the Rings where he's basically getting whittled down by having to fight so much and then finally just starts taking hits mm -hmm. and he he can't recover there's there's no he he doesn't have anything left yeah tanks empty yeah and and tanks you get empty. to you get to watch them drop not because it was a particularly hard hit it was because he literally fought for like 10 minutes a horde uh-huh you know, whereas in D and D, as long as you get hit points, you can, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, screw it. My AC is twenty two. You know, I want to yeah, keep exactly. going here. Um, another thing that can happen during challenges, and this is kind of another shift point, is that uh, that a, a a DM can do is they can intrude. Mm -hmm. Literally during something during an event, they can intrude and add another element, make it more challenging, some sort of complication. Correct. Yeah. And that complication, if the player accepts it, gives them an XP and gives them an XP to give to another player. Mm -hmm. And that's that's big. XP is huge. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's something that increases stuff, and it can be spent for other things as well. Right. So actually, um, XP is a really interesting topic in Numenera because um, it's it's both a currency and an advancement mechanic. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time. And uh, so basically XP um, is given to you as a currency, kind of like Benny's or uh, Drama Dice or something like that in, in, in some other systems, uh, Fate Tokens, whatever, where you can spend it on the short term for like, I'm going to spend an XP just to re-roll. And that's any roll in the game. Um, so if Rob rolls something and it goes terrible, I can spend an XP to mm -hmm. allow Rob to re-roll. Correct. Um, now, this is not terribly efficient. It, it suggests, in fact, that you do not do this, like, multiple times in a row. Don't drop four XP just to get a success on a roll, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is one use of them. Uh, you can then also do things like short-term benefits. Yeah. Uh, things like, um, what we call in adventure, we call it dramatic editing. Which I love the term. Where you, uh are able to kind of just say, hey, um, what do you say I drop 2 XP here? And uh, we say that when I was in here in this this, this place last, uh, I studied at the library a lot. 
and because uh, because my character used to be here, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you say? A lot of that time was in, was spent in the library, so I know my way around it, and uh, I know the people there. So I'm gonna have uh, like the schematics and 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 be able to read you know, and a find, good contact, find the research easily, and a con- and a contact here. Like, yeah. Okay. Cool. No, that know? checks. Yeah. Sure. Um, you might be able to spend like three or four XP to get like a major one of those. You right. Know? Two XP might be might allow you to like. Okay. Well, let me just get a bonus on my research roll. Right. My next research roll. Yeah. But like, yeah, two, three, or four XP might get you like uh, a a contact there or someone something that you could reuse. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, a fixed point, if it, you will. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so then you've you've got those sort of like short and 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 sort of midterm benefits. But then you've got advancement, which you also buy with this. Correct. Um, your character has a tier. Uh, it's kind of like a level, but not really. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a significant jump in power. Right. Um, in in the traditional sense of like I'm higher level than you, therefore I am better. Right. Um, tiers will convey, uh, certain, certain abilities to have, like, if you're an, if you're a nano, uh, mm-hmm. their, their version of spellcasters, a wizard or sorcerer, right. um, you may have new, um, uh, what do they call them? Eruditions or something like that? I think, yeah, it's, it's an interesting name. I, I can't uh, recall it. But it's spells. Effectively spells. Uh, yeah. You can learn, like, new spells, um, new abilities. There are certain, um, other things, aspects of your character mm-hmm. that, uh, cause you're, well, we'll get into character creation, but character creation is unique. Uh, part parts That's of your character that are described, your descriptors, yes, will give you new abilities with your tier, right, and such like that. So, um, you can spend your 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 XP on short term benefits and and stuff like that to gain little bits of in game power here mm-hmm. and there, or you can play the long game, mm-hmm. save them, mm-hmm. and then slowly buy up your tier mm-hmm. to get more baked in powers right um but the goal of the goal of the xp system is that whether you're using it for short-term benefits or using it for long-term benefits or giving it to other players one way or another everybody's gonna kind of be more or less equal in power yeah so it's about when yeah yeah it's it's just it's just about when just about where that power is yep um one of the key things to the cypher system that makes it different is ciphers and ciphers are the heart of everything with Numenera as well. They are one-use abilities that you will gain a lot over time. Little bits of technology that you've scavenged from the uh, from from the ruins of whatever past yeah. civilizations. I think the person who built the cipher system watched someone play Final Fantasy and asked them why they weren't using their potions when they by the time they got to the end of the game and mm-hmm. had stacks and stacks and stacks of them. Yeah, like you you could have used these to make the game easier for you. And they were like, "But I might need them." Yeah, that that is not how the cipher system works, oh, and it's actually nothing. I've seen that happen in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, well, time. that's true. That's true. But oh, the I idea this potion of giant strength. When are you going to use it? When you're fighting the giant? Uh, I don't know. I might need it. We might have a dragon later. So yeah, you know. the whole idea is is that ciphers are just that. They are very powerful traditionally uh, items that alter the the course of gameplay, but are meant to be used often. So you may get a small trinket. That gives you a personal shield for a for for one shot. Like it just generates a shield in front of you, protecting you from you know fire or whatever. You activate it for the rest of the scene. You're plus one armor. That's right. And, and it stacks and, with all your regular armor. Yep. And it's it's just there, and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. But the idea is is that you're not collecting them. 
You're using them. And in fact, there are game mechanics built in that says if you have too many of them, they start interacting with each other in a negative way. Some will just disappear. Like literally just dematerialize. Because the idea is is that you are not meant to collect them. You're meant to use them. And everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if you were literally hoarding them in this world, people would look at you funny. Like yeah, because because cyph- ciphers are all over the place. There's, again, there's junk from there's junk from the past eight you know uh, 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 civilizations just lying around. Like people use these things every day in their in their everyday life. Like you know, like Rob said earlier with the cell phones. Yeah, you know, not using you know hoarding your your ciphers is like hoarding your cell phone battery. Well, again, imagine t- ten thousand years from now after mm-hmm. we're gone and there's now a medieval civilization here and someone digs up cell phones and they're functional mm-hmm. so that they, they produce light they have information on them sometimes oh god they have you twitter know, they, they you know it may or may not function with whatever internet is still there but the point is is that you're not going to sit with a box of them packed in your backpack mm-hmm. you know as one use things people are going to look at you funny like dude they're everywhere why, why aren't you just using them right like right. you're going to get another one tomorrow you know kind of a thing mm-hmm. so uh, do you want to talk about uh, uh, combat? Um, I kind of want to save that because really the 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 key point within that again is that the DM doesn't roll. Right, right. See, well, I think that the thing the thing that I like the most about it is that you don't have like giant stat blocks for monsters. No, it's very simple. Monsters essentially have a level, and that's it. And that's it. That's your that's your base target number. That's their difficulty. If they attack you, that's the target you n- number you need to dodge or, or defend against their attack. Yep. If uh, you hit them, that's the target number for hitting them. Sometimes they'll have little caveats. Like I saw in the written in the margins yep. about an NPC. They were like, this is a level three NPC, but if they're ever doing any negotiations or persuasion rolls, they count as level five. Yeah. That's their whole stat block. Yep. Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... And and in most cases, if they take an injury, they're done. Uh, that's it. Also counts as their hit point pool. Correct. So I they think. so so if they're a level three, they take three. They're done. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Very simple. And honestly, I love that. I love that design. That's so simple. It's so yeah. good. I mean, if you did the same thing with D and D, and you're like, okay, so uh, CR two, mm-hmm. okay, means that they can take two hits. Great. Problem solved. Yep. Yep. Easy. Super fast gameplay, man. I love it. But I want to get to the character creation. Yeah, I think I, it's important. I do too. I this, do too. this show may go a little long because we want to talk about this. And I think I, th- I think we're I think we're in a good click. Okay. All right. All right. So I think the special thing about this system and, and Numenera is this. Mm-hmm. And that is is that the way you create your character is by fill in the blank. Yeah. Every character is I am a blank blank who blanks. That's it. That That's as simple as it gets. Yep. There are a lot of things that go into those, and it's very important. So, for instance, I am a blank. Your first word is an adjective. This is your descriptor. Now, it's not, to be clear, Yes. these words mean something. Correct. This is they not just an adjective weight. you're pulling off the top of your head. There's a list you pick from, and they all have a mechanical effect. But they also help define your character. But. But they do. But they do. I, I just wanted it clarified right. that you can't just be like, uh, my character's a goofy uh, cipher. Goofy's not on the list. No, but comedic is. But comedic is. You know, yeah. but I'm saying is, is there, there is a list you need to right. pick off of, and that word matters as more than just a descriptor of what your character is personality-wise, but it actually has a mechanical benefit. 
Yeah. And the thing is, is that, and I will say this, more than likely the word that you're thinking of that goes in there to help describe your character and define it, if you've got something, mm-hmm. is probably out there. There are a lot. Yeah. And you, 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 if you can't find it in the main book, there's probably something in like the player's guide or something like that. And they've collected the list. Believe me, there are links to it. The descriptor list is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so let's say you start, you know, I am a charming. So your second word then is your noun. This is your type. And there are a set number of types. There are a decent number. I think there's, with if you include everything, I want to say there were 10. Uh, with the extras. Yeah, with, with the extras. In the main book, which is just Correct. what I was reading, uh, there's only the three. There's, there's the, the three. There's, there's the glade, glaive, the nano, and the jack. Correct. Um, you can then also get a glint, which is kind of the smooth talker, uh, charmer, mm-hmm. uh, seeker is another one, and that's like a ranger or a scout. So there are some more specialized ones as you move on from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, the three main are, are off the main book. Um, so you've got your I am a charming uh, jack. Mm-hmm. You know, So I, I now have abilities that are tied to that as well. Yeah. Who, and this is the final one, the verb. This is filled in by your focus. Oh, and this is where things get weird. Correct. So this is where this the, the words that get thrown in this are like, are your talents and such like that. For instance, I'm a, you know, I am a charming Jack who is a weapons master, you know, or a defense master or rides the lightning. I am a daring glaive who bears a halo of flame. That That's a thing. Is literally a thing you can do. Yep. I am a <laughs> graceful nano who murders. Yeah. That's a thing. Yep. That's a thing. And all of these help create your character, literally flush out all the rest of the details Mm -hmm. so that when you're actually crafting a character, there's very little you have to do choice wise once you have your description of who you are. Mm -hmm. And there's some beautiful character generators out there that help you with this. Yeah, I think um, I think it was the character generator uh, earlier in the discord. um, uh, One of our listeners, Overwatch, Mm -hmm. uh, posted a um, one of the character creators. Mm -hmm. And I think I created a base level character in 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because because uh, you just it's literally you just pick off the list. I am a blank blank who blanks. Yeah, that's your character. Yep. All of those things have mechanical things. And then it was like, okay, you can now distribute six points amongst your pools. Yeah. Your 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 job, your class, your type, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, gives you your base pools. Yep. Your descriptor gives you like some extra points to distribute or whatever. And then uh your uh, uh your focus gives you some extra added abilities on top of that. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So I've always liked builders that help you and i think this is the greatest culmination of that that help bring down the the challenge of uh what the world is Uh and how hard it is to try and um uh how hard it is to build a character when there's so many options Mm mm-hmm you can literally think up someone visually in your mind, come up with a simple description for it, and let the game fill in the gaps for you. Yeah. So that you can get right to gameplay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, like, uh, you know, especially like in like Dungeons & Dragons, you notice there's a lot of cookie-cutter builds that end up happening for, for things. Where, like, if you're playing a Hexblade Warlock, there's only so many plays, ways you can do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, 
it, it, you end up getting pigeonholed real quick. And I think with this, especially since the, the lists of things you can pick off of, um, perhaps with type as the notable exception, mm-hmm. but even type really isn't a, t- a very small pigeonhole. Right. Um, it's it's kind of more of a broad job description of like warrior, rogue, or mage, you know? Yeah. Um, it, there's so many different ways you can put your character together. Yes. And again, that's only a starting point. What you do with them after that is is just entirely up to the up to the fates. Yeah. And it's it's a it's always a new experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's fantastic. And I highly recommend if if you get a chance and you're interested, grab that character creator off our Discord uh and, and go try it. Mm-hmm. You you'd be surprised how fun it is to get back to character creation. Yeah. Uh and, and kind of get a feel for even what the game kind of gives at that point. Um so I'm gonna say a few things about what this game does well. Okay. Before we get into like some of the, the, the pieces that I think make it challenging. I'm not going to say it fails, but I'm going to say it makes it challenging. And that is gameplay is fast. It, is, it can be exceptionally fast if your players are on with you. Mm-hmm. And that is, is because the target numbers make it easy. You're just reducing values. There's very little on your character sheet that allows you to reduce values. Yeah, your character sheet can really fit on a post-it note, honestly, if you if you really, you know, yeah. write Their character enough. sheets are beautiful because it keeps track of a lot of data. Yeah. Uh, but you you don't need it mm-hmm. honestly. If you if you're good with your mind, you can actually do a lot of this with simple tokens. Yeah. Um. So because of fast gameplay, uh, because fast gameplay, the focus can uh move from the encounters and the minutia and the the tacticals that we're so used to, mm-hmm. and back to story very yes. quickly. Yes. Yes. Uh, in fact, you you almost can't get into the tactical and detail because it's just not there. No, it's it reminded me a lot of um, uh, Dungeon World in that. Yes, where it's like, what's what's initiative order? Eh. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there there is there a is an for, initiative. There, there is an initiative. Speed I, is initiative. Again, you you just it's just a roll against the, the the creature's difficulty. Yep, that's it. And if you pass it, you go before it, and if you fail it, you go after yep. it. And literally, there are rule sets in there that says if someone passes it, everyone goes before. Yeah, and like, how long is a turn? Between five and ten seconds. Sure. There's yep. usually about 10 of them in a minute. Yep, yep, sounds about right. You know. <laughs> so, I, I like the character creation. We've already gone over that. I think it's it's nice to have a single statement that you can look back at and say this is my character. Mhm. You know. Um and everyone's always involved. Yeah. Because you're 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 helping each other, you're passing XP off, you're using your abilities in with other people's abilities. You're rolling all of the dice all the time. Mm-hmm. Whether it's attack or defense, everything. Yeah, it's the almost... DM is literally just sitting back, telling a story. Yeah, just tell, just telling you what's going on and kind of reacting to you guys. You know. Yeah, and I like the mechanic that players give other players XP. I think that's cool. I, I love that. I like yeah. that mechanic. So, uh, all right. So where where are the foibles in this system? And again, I don't think they're. they're I, it's foibles is a better word for it than failings. Cause yeah, because I, I, I I think it could be challenging for the same reasons. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, with with any narrative lightweight system like lightweight in quotes <laughs> lightweight in quotes lightly crunchy <laughs> um actually with a narrative heavy system like this um mm-hmm. uh, you get all the pros and cons that go with it uh so you basically have to be on top of your story game because mm-hmm. that's where the action is yeah there's no there's no tactical number crunchy gameplay to drive it for you right you have to do all the work um, there's also no random encounter generator that's going to give you, you know, the, the next scene. Yep. You need to know where that story's going and you need to know where it's going after that. Yep. Yep. 
Um, it does rely very heavily on strong collaborative understanding of the theme and the story for the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going it, to... It's, it's going to affect a lot of what your players' choices and such like that are. Um, yeah, they're going to have to answer questions. Yeah. Like, okay, guys, you know, what, what are you doing now? And they're going to have to be on top of that to see where they want to go with the story instead of waiting for the storyteller to tell them what's next. Uh, the, the other, the, well, the other thing too that I that I think is, is definitely part of this particular point is that the setting itself can be pretty out there. Like the weirdness yeah. scale is cranked up to eleven in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, you you've got some very down to earth stuff. Like I said, it, at its core, it's still just a medieval society, right? Right. But with all the weird stuff that is going on and is very commonplace in the world, um. Your players could get confused if you lean into the weird too much. Well, and I think that also kind of comes back to the fact that it is mind's eye theater. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to get a tabletop tactical every step of the way. You're going to, for any of the players who have a hard time imagining things and coming up with, you know, what does this thing look like? Descriptions are great, but you may have to come up with some of the art you may have to come up with art in other ways uh, to help them kind of get a grasp of what their character is seeing mm-hmm. and moving through. And and that can make this game very challenging because it is kind of esoteric. Yeah. Yeah, it you really, know? Is. It really is. Um, and can get more so based on some of the crap that goes on. So, uh, and, and lastly, um, the, the players being in charge of all the dice rolls, um, I think is a, maybe, maybe a little bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, on one hand, I think it's really great because it does put a lot of the power of, of, uh, determining the story's path, uh, for the, uh, you know, in, in the player's hands. Yeah. Um, however, first of all, it can be tedious for some players, uh, cause some players show up and they want to be told a story, Yeah. you know, and having to do all the driving yourself it's not it's not for every player you, no. you kind of need to know what you're what you're getting into there i would i would definitely not set this down in front of a group of brand a brand new group as their first game together i agree i think I agree that i that. think you i think you'd run into a lot of issues um and then but, you've, you've got your unprepared players too oh, you yeah. know the, the ones who have showed up to 20 game sessions and still don't know how you know like how certain basic mechanics go and you're like all right. Well, you're going to be the one doing all the die rolls and doing all the calculations, so you're going to have to learn it eventually. You but know? at the same time, I think this game, the rule and design could be written to them in a, on a three by five card and it, just set in front of them. It, it could be. And it I think be. that does give it a benefit there, where yeah. it's like it it feels complex, but realistically, it's not. It's 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 kind of not. It yeah. kind of brings me back to uh, the bottom of the uh, white wolf sheets that had your spending of xp oh yeah yeah you could do the same thing on a on a numenera card six point text down at the very bottom that that tells you how to roll yeah (laughs) um Um, so yeah that's that's kind of how i feel about it um okay so we had we had some thoughts on the mechanics though yes Uh, just how many moving parts there are there's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts between and like armor and encumbrance. Your pools. Your pools how your when your pools go down and what happens with your pools your and recover edges, your pools. Your <sighs> yeah. Focus your edges. Your because you have a focus. Uh huh. You have an edge. You have your ciphers that can affect things. You have you have um. What is it? What's the term they use where you can you can buy down things. Um, oh my god, I just realized what this game system is. 
What's that? It's Warrior Rogue and Mage if it was rewritten in Pathfinder. You know, that... That does... That does make sense. Effort. <laughs> it's a Effort. Lot, a lot of floating modifiers. Yeah. Only, only three stats. Super simple. But oh my god, the floating modifiers. But again, I, I think it simplifies the modifiers. It, it it's it's simple. I'm I don't I don't mean to like get dramatic and scary about yeah. it. Like it's it's I mean there's... granted, we literally wrote up ninety percent of the rules on three pages. We did. Of our our sheet here. And we, we're saying that that's complex. We we did. We did. We couldn't do that for D D. It's just it, it's it it, it take rules light with a grain of salt is all we're saying because there's there's deceptively more than you think it's more crunchy than you think it is yes definitely more crunchy than it than you think it is but at the same time i think it's excellent uh so some final thoughts uh number one it's on sale at drive through rpg till july 15 five five six bucks yeah it's really inexpensive really Um, expensive uh the, the pdf is brilliant it's uh i i purchased it actually earlier today uh, it is full color and it is uh, it's hyperlinked. Yeah, so you can click on things in the Which index is and it'll take beautiful. you to the page and stuff. It's great. Um, another thing is, I found that the Amazon um, sleeve edition, which is both books, mm-hmm. uh, is also on expressive sale right now. I don't oh. know if it's just today, cool. um, but uh, yeah, if you if you like hard books, you can get the hard books on Amazon. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, th- I think that kind of covers it. But I want to hit these questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely got to hit the questions. We got a got a got a handful of minutes left. Okay, for rules like games such as Numenera, this is Knox's question. Do you find that there is more negotiating going on for some players? Might consider too cons- uh, constant and annoying. Uh, do you feel like having no hard rule to lay down uh, might give uh, give rein to more frequent squabbles and arguments over subjective calls and decisions? Well, first off, there really isn't subjectivity. There really isn't. Because you only got so far to go with your character sheet, and because your character sheet is defined based upon those first three statements, they give you what your abilities are, that's all you've got. It's it's not like a rules light system where it's a matter of a term, like your approach is to go for it all. Mm-hmm. And that's the term you're using. So am I going for it all? Then I get these benefits. Well, I'm always going for it all. Yeah, and, you know. Your bonuses are, are a lot more cut and dry. It's like, do you yeah. have the athletics skill trained? Yes, I do. Well, then if this is an athletic activity, right. you reduce your, your ability by one. Right. Period. Right. Like that's not really a negotiable thing. You know, no. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to haggle with the merchant. Cool. Do you have the persuasion ability? Yes, I do. Cool. And it's one lower. I don't even think it's that. I think it's more along the lines of, I look at my character sheet and I'm like, well, I have persuasion, so I'm going to use persuasion. And the DM just going, okay. I, I don't think there's a haggle. I, I, I think it only comes in where the rest of the group goes, you're using athletics to talk somebody? What, what, how, how is this working? Like, that yeah, doesn't I, make any sense. I, I don't like, think it ever goes that far. Like, right. if, if it is going that far, you're gaming with the wrong people. Correct. And like, and But at the same time, like... I, I think anybody who's trying to marry sue the situation in this will have a challenging time to do it. Yeah, yeah. Things are a lot more cut and dry than you think. Right. It's it's not it's not esoteric like fate is. No, no. Or or some of the other games where you, you would think that that steps into the realm. I, I don't think gaming the rules are nearly as easy when it is this simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've you've either got skills or you don't that apply. Uh then you you can spend some effort. Right. And then you might have like an extra cipher or something like that right. that might further reduce it by one more. But like, you're ready. That's about it. And the other thing that I, I I always put on top of it is 
the DM can hold back. If, if you really think your group is getting to that point, you can hold back the difficulty number. And they're like, okay, well, I've reduced the difficulty by five. Okay, make a roll. Do you, do you, what, so, it's, so it's over zero? Yep, make a roll. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you have to say. Yep. And then their whole thing is, is it like, okay, well, it can't be that high, you know, kind of a thing. Like, you don't know. You don't know. You're, you're, that's the whole part about it. It's the oddity is the game. So you, you always still have control as a storyteller to basically yeah. tweak the difficulty. Also, you can just look at them and say, you want some XP? Because there's a because diff- I'm going to intrude. And mm-hmm. they might be like, mm, no, not today. You know? Mm-hmm. But they're only going to say that so often because they want that tasty, tasty XP. Of course they do. So... All right, uh, Overwatch asks, uh, Numenara, at least when I looked at it, had a simple and interesting I am a blank, blank, who blanks character creation system. Well, it's still there. Congratulations. Uh, How do you feel about shallow but streamlined creation systems like this? Um, I would feel a lot worse about it if it didn't have so damn many different variations you could throw in together (laughs) to customize an amazing character. It is really cool. Um, I I think if you uh, I think much to the problem that uh, things like rifts has, mm-hmm. where literally if you include all the books, it, it gets challenging as the storyteller just to try and help people create their characters and figure out what all those powers do. Yeah, you get you get uh, analysis paralysis. You get exactly. too, too many options. So you. just yeah. just bring it down to a level that is understandable. Like just use the core book. Yeah. Or or say you can you can basically say no I'm not going to accept that term I'm I don't want you being the person who can reorganize their internals, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is a thing that's Those, a whole thing we're not going to get into so, um but yeah there's there's all kinds of uh, of of ways to create your character there's there's definitely some fun stuff I would highly recommend to go playing with a character generator just to get the fun of that because I think it could be used in a wonderful way in other systems. Yeah, it really could. I think you could hack this into any, pretty much any system carefully enough. Mm-hmm. So, um, next week's topic, uh, we're going to get into narrative versus tactical storytelling and, and the unique Two words that we use all the time yeah. that we feel we need to kind of we delve into. Probably and should define them. Do a little, do a little deep dive into what we're talking about between tactical and narrative style. And stuff yeah. Like that, and, so. and we'll kind of describe the systems that lean into those. Cause I think they're, they're ends of a spectrum mm-hmm. and where these things, I think this game kind of definitely sits more toward the 70 to 80% range on the narrative oh, side. God, I would even put it farther than, that, I don't know. There are some very narrative her- heavy games that basically have almost no rules. Um, so I would say it's going to be an interesting show. Yeah. 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 So well, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of different game systems then and give you guys some examples. Yeah. And we hope that uh, you'll join us and continue listening. Please, please, please join us. Uh, so so uh, until that time, you can find us uh, on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. You can find the link to our Discord on Twitter, as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd love to hear from you. Drop Please. some questions on there. Join the conversation. You, we'd also like to thank our Patreon members, especially Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We really appreciate you and the rest of our patrons and how you help us at week in and week out. Or I should say month in and month out. And keeping this show going week in and week out. Our pre-show music is uh, by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music, Beyond the Warriors, by, is by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.com 
www.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. Uh, and a big uh, shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Um, thanks so much for loving us and supporting us. Yes. All thank of you. our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years to give us these great stories to share with you. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you so much. Love you all. Good night. Good night.